Are you working on your author career, but struggling to get that first book published? Does the goal of being an author seem too lofty? Or thoughts of having multiple books and making a full-time living are as fantastical as living in Cinderella's castle? Welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where aspiring authors can be heard. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have gotten their foot on the author career path. Hear what they've done to get there and where they want to go now. Settle back. It's time for a bit of inspiration and advice. Come listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. Today on Discovered Wordsmith, I have Jerry. Jerry, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's a good to have you on. And uh, you mentioned it was raining uh, where you're at. I, I live in Ohio. It's raining here also. Where are you located? So I live in Lando Lakes, Florida, so 30 minutes from Tampa. And I feel like it's been raining every day nonstop since the summer started. Every day at some point it rains. Like it was torrential downpour today. So. Wow. Okay. We had a like monsoon the other day. Lost electricity for three hours. It was coming down so hard I couldn't see my neighbor's house. It was oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of rain. I mean, it did knock out the, the internet here earlier, but not, not too crazy. Yeah, I felt like we were in Florida. <laughs> yeah. All right. We are, what, before we talk about your book, I love your background, by the way. That's a great background. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you and some of the things you like to do besides writing. Yes. I've actually been only writing for about a, a year and a half. I never thought I was going to be a writer. Um, I had a crazy situation at work that kind of led me to, hey, I want to be a writer. And uh, so I, I'll tell you about that real quick. I was working on a project. I do a lot of technical report writing at work. Um, I do cybersecurity and credit card compliance. So you select your card at Walmart, Target, any kind of store, right? Those customers, those companies have to have a compliance report. And so that's where uh, companies like the one that I work for come into play. So we write a lot of long reports. We look at a lot of controls and so. I had a situation at work, I gave a customer a report and the next day she calls me and she's, Jerry, this report is completely the same as last year. And I'm like, oh gosh, please don't tell me that's the case because this is like a 500 page report. Start reviewing the report, saying we went on site, We did, there was no on site, we were in like the pandemic, like early pandemic at this time. So I was like, ah, oh, she's right, we have to rewrite this report. So the guy who was on my team, he was the guy who was leading the assessment and he's the one who wrote the report. He copied my work, word for word, and turned it into the customer, like it was his work. So we had to rewrite the report. It went from 500 pages to 750 pages and it takes me like two months to fix the report. And afterwards, I'm like, man, I just wrote a novel. That's it. I got this story. I'm just going to write a book. And that's just what I did. And so that's how it even led me to this crazy journey here. Wow. And do you still have your job doing the uh, big reports? Yeah, I, I still do that. It definitely keeps me busy. It's always interesting. You get to see a lot of interesting and complex environments and then customers that you get to use all the time. Like you, you remember when Target had that big breach and all the credit card numbers got leaked out, Home Depot, et cetera. So there's a company, a third-party company that will actually come in and say, hey, this company is secure. They're okay to take continue taking credit cards. Or in the cases of like Target, right, the company that actually does the assessment misses something and there's a huge breach that leads to fines and all these other things. So it's a pretty big deal when we come in and do these assessments. They can take anywhere from a couple of months to six plus months, depending on how big the customer is. Wow. Wow. That's a, 
that's an investment. That's time. That's <laughs> yeah. do, do you enjoy doing that? Does uh, writing help you with the stress? <laughs> that type of thing? The, the writing does help with the stress. I'll say that. That's why I started writing in the first place. It's a lot of learning. I'll say that. So I feel like I learn a lot throughout the job. No two environments are the same. Even if they use similar technologies, it's always different. I like it. It's different. Definitely pays the bills. <laughs> so you needed to relieve some stress and you wrote a book that is very interesting title, Meth, Murder, and Mayhem. How'd you come about the title and tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, so it's a, it's Meth, Murder, and Amazon. Amazon, so, yes, I'm sorry. You're right. I, okay. And I just said it a minute ago, didn't I? <laughs> you did. That's okay. So yeah, Meth, Meth, Murder, and Amazon, you can actually buy it on Amazon. And so this is a true, based on true event story about the worst home selling experience of your life. And so as I was going to sell my house in Colorado, this is my first house, by the way. So my first time selling a house. And along the way, I actually get accused by my own real estate agents of murder and making meth while I'm not even in the state. And how many real estate agents does it take to sell houses? That sounds like a running joke, right? And so most people would be like, takes one. And I, was, I usually say, uh, you would think. But in my personal experience, I actually took three real estate agents. One of them, the guy who actually sold me the house, he wasn't even living in Colorado. He moved out of state and was in Arizona. So he wasn't marketing my house really doing anything to sell the house. So I fired him. I go to the next real estate agent. She's, I think she's okay. She's a good person. We go on vacation to go visit my mom. My mom is sick. She has early stage cancer. So I was like, hey, let's take a vacation. We're going to have an open house. And so I'm on vacation where it's me and my wife and my four kids at the time. We're sitting in like Panera Fred parking lot and I get a call and my real estate agent is Jerry. There's someone inside the house. I was like, excuse me, what do you mean there's someone inside the house? She's, yes, there's someone inside the house and they're hiding under the bed. No one's supposed to be there. I'm like, absolutely not. No one's supposed to be there. She's great. I called the cops. Cops are on their way. Cops show up. All of a sudden, body's gone. Uh, a few days later, they have a meeting at the real estate agency and they're like, oh, by the way, when we were at the house, at the open house, we went around and we checked everything and we were in your garage and it smelled like burning plastic in there. I was like, oh no, it was, it was something burning, right? It's like they're an electrical fire, something catch on fire. Real estate agent goes, no, burning plastic means meth. And so we think that someone could be smoking meth or making meth on the premises. So we're going to need you to get a, a, a meth test done, or we're going to flag your house on the MLS for suspicious behavior. Oh, so I'm, like, I'm like, you're absolutely not going to do that. I will sue you. So you can just consider this to be another relationship. So that's two real estate agents that I finally find another one. And the book essentially is just this crazy roller coaster of from the time I actually decide I'm going to sell my house until I finally sell it. And so it takes six months, three real estate agents, and just a whole slew of just nonsense that kind of occurs throughout the process. And so I take you on an interesting little journey along the way. Wow. So it's based on real events, but it's not nonfiction. It's a, a fiction story. No, it's nonfiction. I, I really tried to keep it true to how the story unfolded. Now I will say I, I changed all the places, all the names, right? Everybody has funny names. Everyone has like a funny location they live in, but the actual events that happened did really happen. And so one part I go to talk to the news. And so I'm, I'm on Denver seven news. This really happened. They come, they do an interview. I tell them the whole story. And they screw that up. So this whole thing is in the book, but I go on news, right? It, it airs at 9 p.m. Not even 12 hours later, my real estate, my new real estate agent, so real estate agent number three calls me and she's, Jerry, what did you do? I'm getting people calling me the nastiest names, asking me, how could I do this to your family? Like, you've got to take this down. 
And so what happened was the the news agency, when they started the the on-air broadcast, they pan out to the the curb appeal, they show the house. Well, in the front yard is the new real estate agent sign. And so this is, she's with Keller Williams, the ones that accused me of the murder and the meth that was Remax. And so people weren't even listening to the whole broadcast. They're not even reading the article. They see the number and they just start calling her up, calling her out. And so it got taken down. I talked to the, the news agency and they're like, yeah, we can't edit anything that's already aired. It's, it's just coming down. So there's a lot of events that transpire along wow. the way. <laughs> so what do you, what genre did you put this in to put it out there? So I, I decided to make it like a humor slash comedy, but it also has some suspense. There's some mystery in there. It has a little bit of everything, even like almost like horror, right? This is like someone's like real life nightmare. Could you imagine selling your house and then boom, you get accused of murdering somebody and then you get accused of making meth, right? Like you can't make this stuff up. So right. I, I write a funny twist on it with a funny spin on it. And so that's why I thought humor would be the best way. Plus I... I choose really funny character names for my books. And someone was like crappy to me along the way, like the real estate agent accused me of meth and murder. And she got the name Dobby Snobby. And so I'll make fun of her throughout the book. I'll make fun of her name, just all these different things. But if someone was like really good to me, like it was like a positive element as part of the whole story, I'll get an actual really good name. And I'll be like, oh yeah, they helped me out. Just different things like that. Wow. So what type of feedback are you getting from people reading it? What are some of the comments? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of people are, would say, hey, uh, this is a crazy roller coaster ride. If it wasn't backed up by cold hard facts, I really wouldn't believe it. I, I, tell, I would tell my friends this story, like before I even wrote the book, what happened? They're like, stop it. You're making this up. I'm like, no way. I couldn't make this up if I tried, right? It's so unbelievable. It has to be true. And I, I get really good feedback. Just, hey, this is really different. This is really unique. There's really nothing out here that's like this. And so that's what the goal was when I originally decided I was going to write a book because I wanted to do something really different and set myself apart. Nice. Yeah. So it, it, this is crazy. It sounds perfect for either a movie or a TV show. What would yeah. you choose for it to be? Uh, either or, right? I, I think it could make a great TV series. I think you could make a great movie, right? I was thinking who could be the main character, which would be me. I'd be like, hey, Ryan Reynolds is a hilarious guy. He would be like a great actor to portray this. And they could definitely make it a whole season, but there's even a lot of stuff that happened before I tried to sell my house. So I could actually write other books about this as well, but I hired, yeah, a prequel. I could even do a sequel. And so the, the prequel I had, I was going to finish my basement in this house. And so you think like contractors, everybody know contractors are sometimes shady. If I did what I was supposed to do. I'm like, Hey, I want to get my basement finished. So I'm going to subcontract out all this work. You have to frame it. You have to get drywalling done water, electricity, right? All these things. So I would bid it out. I wouldn't hire the most expensive guy nor the least expensive. I try to go in the middle. Man, I had the worst experience. It was only supposed to take three months. It takes almost a year to actually finish my basement and just like anything you can think of that can go wrong from like a contractor's perspective did. So I was like, I could totally write a book about this. I call it Framed, Maimed, and Plain to Blame. So <laughs> there you go. I got some good interesting I, I think houses. I think this would make a great movie. I, I'm a lot of yeah. times I go either way, but this particular one, put the right budget in it, get the right actors. And I think it'd make a really great big Absolutely. movie. And it's uh, literally most of it happens inside the house or uh, at a parking lot or something. So it would be a pretty small budget, right? Like you wouldn't need a lot to make it happen. 
some one setting, <laughs> the house. <laughs> right, just the house, things that happen inside the house. But it was fun. It was fun to write about. And so I do tell people like it's nonfiction, but it almost reads like it's fiction because of the way I use the characters and the names. Uh, but I also teach like the readers about what the different elements are when you try to sell your house. Some people might be going through, hey, I want to buy a house or hey, I want to sell my house. So I'll teach you about staging, different things you need to look out for, what all the different showings means, open house. So I, I try to add a teachable element to it as well. Oh, that's cool. So, so it's a fun book that you learn something from. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, what uh, not to do sometimes. So you also mentioned you've got a book coming out soon, a, a second book. What's that one about? So I do have a new book coming out September 22nd. It's called Hysterical Hangouts with the Hind Legs. And it is a true life reality show, but in a book. And so it follows the time Warner tradition of you meet the girl of your dreams, you fall in love, and the only thing left to do is meet the family. What happens when you meet the family and they're uh, a little wild and what, what you might call crazy? And so along the way, uh, the, the main character, who is the boyfriend that's dating the girlfriend, he decides, hey, I'm going to do an undercover reality TV show. And so he has an undercover camera and he goes through all these different events with her family, whether it's her mom and dad. She has three brothers. And so each episode or each chapter of the book is set up as an episode to be like episode one. Here's the title. And I'll actually give it a rating and add in like the TV elements, like rated TV 14 for language, alcohol, suspense, nice. whatever is in there. And so I try to really make it like a, you're really watching the reality show, but you're reading it in a book. Cool. And, and that comes out next month, you said, in about a month. Yep. Yep. Next month. Cool. And do you have any plans beyond that for another, a book? I feel like I could probably write 10 books just on crazy things that have happened throughout my life. So the this new book coming out, Hysterical Hangouts with the Hind Legs, uh, I left it open-ended for a reason. It's, it is fiction. This new one is fiction. I've been married to my wife for 18 years now, and she has seven brothers and sisters. And so this, this first book was only about the brothers, so I thought I could make a, a sequel to it of just her sisters and so i could do, then even do a, a follow-up trilogy with not only the brothers and the sisters but what happens when they all have children and so the different like dynamics that come into play when you have brothers and sisters and then kids right. of all those people wow okay so do you have a, a website that people can go to and find out more about you I do. So my website is gsjerry.com. There, there's obviously information about the book. There's also some blogs. I also have some free recipes I like to cook. Don't worry, they're meth three, but I do have them labeled as meth lab creations. So someone might see that and be like, oh, what the heck is this? It's just free recipes that I've come up with. So that That's pretty good. I like that. B putting it right in there. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. What? Oh, no, I was just going to say, you just got to take ownership sometimes, right? If someone says you do something, hey, it's just better to just, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it, right? You need a t-shirt. Yeah. Something. Uh... So I actually, so there is a shop on there as well. And so you can actually, there's some merchandise on there. One of them is a, a coffee cup and it says, don't mess with me till I've had my coffee. There's another one. It's like an apron. It's, I can't remember what it says off the top of my head, but it's basically don't mess with me or you might end up in the recipe or something like that. So they're finding a little place on meth. Uh, don't don't meth with me or I'll put you in my next book. Yeah, exactly. I, I see. I would get you one that says, follow me to my meth lab. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I can totally do that. It's so tough though, right? Because some people are so sensitive to be like, oh, this guy's joking around about meth and all this stuff, right? And that's like a huge epidemic yeah. uh, around the world. And I get it. That's why I got accused of the meth because Colorado is like the meth capital of the world, apparently. That's what they told me. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah. And so after this all happened, whenever they accused me of this and I fired them, I actually, this isn't in the book, but I actually went to talk to a lawyer about this and I explained what happened. There's no way they can do that, blah, blah, blah. So I like shared with them the story. Lawyers contacted the real estate agents. They're like, yep, this did happen, but that's all we're going to tell you. Then they finally go on through the discovery process and they find out that because Colorado has such a problem with methamphetamine, if a real estate agent even suspects that there's a possibility of meth on the premises, they can do whatever they want, essentially, and there's nothing you can do about it. So when this happened and they're like, hey, you, you're making meth in your garage or someone's smoking meth, I was like, that's got to be defamation, slander, right? Like something, right? Like you can't just say someone's making meth with no evidence. That's just nonsense. Like in Colorado, they can do that. Wow. Crazy. And so somebody basically waited till you were selling the house and you went out of town and they moved in and took over for probably just long enough to make a batch. <laughs> it's actually even worse than that. So I don't want to, I don't want to leave any spoilers, but yeah, yeah, what's, under, do what's under the bed and who's under the bed is hilarious. All right. So let me ask you, Jerry, your book sounds hilarious. I think that's a great situation to turn into a, a book, but do you have any favorite books and authors that you've liked through the years to read? Uh, I do. So I like C.S. Lewis. He has some great books. So it's funny, right? I'm sitting here talking to you on a, a podcast, being an author. And I was the kid growing up that played a lot of sports. And so we had book reports to do in school. I'm like, all right, what's the movie I can watch? I don't have time to read these books. And so I'd always get good grades. I always get A's, A's in my book reports. But the older you get, the more you realize reading is just part of life. You have to read for your job. You have to read for pretty much everything. And so when I was growing up, I hated reading. I didn't want to do it. I just wanted to go play sports. Now that I'm older, I do C.S. Lewis. My mom passed away a little over a year ago. And someone was like, hey, you should read this book by C.S. Lewis called A Grief Observed. And it was when he lost his wife. And so I read that, right? I lost my mom's different. But a lot of the, the elements and the, the things that he talks about in there, I was like, that's super relatable. So it definitely helps. And then he just has great visual descriptions, great elements in his books. Like he's just a fantastic author. As I read more and as I write more, I notice that there's some things that he does that I do as well. Like he'll actually use run-on sentences. He'll actually like end things abruptly. And I definitely do that. So I thought it was cool to just see that kind of similarity there. Yeah, I work with kids. And one of the activities I've tried to pass on is if you read the book, to the first Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, the end of the book, the battle is all of four paragraphs. That's the whole <laughs> fight battle. But the movie, it's like 10, 12 minutes long or right, something with yeah. you know, all sorts of creatures and all sorts. I tell kids that's the difference between a plot and a story. Here's the plot. We had a battle. We won. End of, end. Right. But in, the story in the movie, they expanded and made it much more exciting. Try and do an activity using that to write your own battle scene that's oh, better yeah. than that's how you get that's how you hook them though trying to get them to do something that they actually want to do no one wants to write book reports and then you have to use the right grammar and the right punctuation and spelling right yeah. it's no fun but if you give them a fun thing to create kids love that right it lets their imagination kind of run wild yeah i totally agree with that and i have thoughts on that and i've talked to several teachers i've talked to other parents other adults and I, everybody i talk to all agrees about the reading and that but then the people in charge are making all this common core stuff and shoving it down their throats. And these books are the ones you should read. I'm like, let them read something they enjoy. They enjoy hit them with the books in, when they're older. Once they're hooked on reading, don't throw the bad stuff at them early. <laughs> Absolutely. You take a lot of the, the elements. Males are usually hands-on and of course boys are going to be hyperactive when they're classes. They don't want to be in class. They want to be bouncing around playing with stuff, building stuff, harness that energy and get them outside, right? Teach them, how to use, use their hands, learn skills. Right. 
well, in that way, but they don't do that in school. Encourage kids like you. Tell me a story about a made up baseball player or a fake baseball game or use sports and learn how to tell a story. But yeah, that's a whole nother discussion. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could talk on five podcasts about that. Probably. I could probably do a whole podcast on education and storytelling. I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, now that you're reading a little bit, do you have a favorite bookstore in the area? You said you had four kids. Do you take them to any bookstores? So I actually have five kids now. So uh, we had four kids when the mess and the murder happened. Uh, I just had a, a baby last year in November. So he's, he's almost nine months now. Yeah. So we have three boys, two girls. We have a lot of books that our grandparents have given us over the years. If they need a book for school, I think we'll probably go to Barnes and Noble just because that's probably the closest one. There are some like mom and pop bookstores i could say but they're like not on like the way where i'd be going so i usually just go to barnes and noble okay fair enough fair enough all right so we're gonna talk a little author stuff before we do though if you're out on the street and somebody said hey jerry i heard you wrote a book why should i get your book and i think we've already covered that but what would be <laughs> the quick pitch you would tell them I would say, I would just tell them like, hey, you want to read something that's unbelievable and true. Oh, and by the way, you're going to laugh your ass off. I guarantee it. And so I think that pretty much sums it up, right? Like my books are always going to be funny. There's always going to be some humor element to it, but it's not even just that, right? Like it has so many other elements that just make for a great story. And part of it is just being unique, I think is my trademark, right? Like I don't think, I don't do things the same way that a lot of authors do. I don't write a lot of the same ways that a lot of authors do, but that's on purpose. And so I, I figure it gives me a leg up when I get to tell people about the book. Yeah, I haven't read your book, but it sounds to me like it's a combination of Breaking Bad meets Dork Diaries. Uh, that's kind of what it sounds like. You know what's funny is, so when this happened and the real estate agent actually called the cops on me and accused me of murder, uh, I told one of my friends about it. He's, dude, that sounds just like Breaking Bad. I was like, I haven't watched it yet. I was like, that's it. I'm just going to watch it. And it's like the third episode they're doing the open house and they're making meth in the basement. I was like, yep, this is it. They had to watch Breaking Bad before uh, they did the open house. And so it must be, I'm like the reincarnation of high right. school. <laughs> that's funny. So, uh, so you've written a couple books now. Your second one's on its way. You got an idea for a third one. What are some things that you have learned that you're doing different now than you did when you first started? Yeah. So when I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. Let's be honest. I was like, hey, I want to do something different. I want to create a really unique experience for the readers. And part of that is I'm going to just, I'm going to write a way that no one's ever even comprehended. And so I'm going to I'm going to misspell words on purpose. I'm going to make up my own words. I'm going to have run-on sentences on there. I'm going to break up the, the way that the characters actually have their narration. So it actually forces you to take these pauses. But not only that, I'll even go a step further and I'll actually bring in audio elements. So there's like fun little remixes in the book. So like London Bridge is falling down. I'll make a remix of that to my own little like rhyme along. And so I just do random things to like really keep the readers engaged and, and focused not only that, I would say marketing. So when the book first came out last year, I didn't know what this thing marketing was. I'm like, hey, this is a great title, right? That they're just people are just gonna see it and they're just gonna buy Meth Burner on Amazon. What could be better, right? And but that's not how it works. There's a lot of competition out there. I think there's something like 30 million books on Amazon. And there's a million books that come out every single year. So you guys like anybody that's an author, they're gonna have a lot of competition. So right. what sets you apart? How do you stand apart? And a lot of that comes to the marketing. And so I had no idea what I was doing. I, I didn't even start marketing until after the book came out. Even just to piggyback on that, as I was going through Amazon to release my book, Kindle has the ability to do a pre-order. So I'm like, all right, great. I'm going to put this pre-order for 90 days out. 
And so then I go to start doing the same thing on the paperback and my hardcover editions. There's no pre-order there, but I didn't know that. And so I'm like filling out this section. So I'm like, all right, maybe it's the next page is going to ask me, when does it want to release? And so like I get to the last page and I hit, and I'm, it's like, all right, do you want to submit? I hit submit and be like, your book is going to be live in 72 hours. I'm like, all right, no going back now. Like I'm not taking it down. And so I just let it go. So it actually released a month earlier, but obviously I didn't know because I'd never written a book before or never gone into this uh, idea of writing a book. Now that I have, right, I actually put this new book on pre-order about six months out. I've been doing a lot of marketing and social media posts and everything just to bring attention. I've gotten reviews ahead of time as well as I submitted for awards. So I did win an award from Literary Titan a couple of weeks ago. So I'm trying to build some positive momentum right up until the launch date, and then I'll have to do some different tactics as I go along. But definitely didn't have any clue what I was doing the first time. And so part of this, right, like I would have never done that the first time because I didn't know what I was doing. The second time, now I have a good idea. I know how to market it, where to go, what social media platforms to use, things like that. So, so I love that you said that. And to point out to others, I know a lot of people have a lot of anxiety about publishing. And it will, they'll go to conferences, they'll go to uh, author events, roundtables, and the quizzing. And I always see people that, okay, I've got one chapter done in my book, but tell me, how do I publish? Where do I publish? Who do I send it to? What? And, and yeah. I've been, as I've been talking to people, I'm like, calm down. That's like the last thing you got to worry about. And it, you'll figure it out. And most mistakes can be corrected, which is what you sounded like you said, oh, I messed that up. Keep going. And it, it, you lived. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a fight another day. I, I feel like it didn't really hurt me overall in the long run. I probably could have sold more bucks originally. Uh, but there's a lot of people I knew that I already told the story to. And so I was like, I wrote a book. They're like, no, you did it. Stop it. And I was like, I absolutely did. And I tell them about it. And they're like, okay, I'll get that. And so uh, personally, I feel like word of mouth is going to be always be the best marketing tool that you can have. Yeah, you can post on social media, but it's so tough to get people's attention on social media, especially with so many different things to go viral, what's going on. So I feel like word of mouth, talk to somebody, go to the coffee shop. Oh, what are you reading? Hey, I wrote a book. You want to hear about it? And so there's all these different ways to get your book out there besides just the normal, like, hey, post on social media 900 times a month and right. you know, all these different other tactics that are out there. And you mentioned unique style. So you talked about breaking things up and how you're writing the characters and putting things in the book. Do you think that's actually helped you now that you've done that? I think so. And so whenever I was first starting out with this, I'm like, all right, I'm going to use this really unique style. If it flops, hey, that's fine. Like I tried something new and it failed. But if it doesn't, I've got something to talk about that nobody else is doing. And so I think that's really played to my advantage because you can go read the reviews and almost everyone has pointed out like writing style, but in a positive way. And so you don't have to follow the normal traditional writing style. You have to develop your characters this way. You have to write the sentences this way. It has to flow this way. That's absolutely not true. Like you can write however you want. If it flows and the readers enjoy it, then you're going to provide a positive experience and it's just going to set you apart. And usually authors don't think that way or don't try and experiment like that until they're more well-established. Have you heard of or seen The Road by Cormac McCarthy? I haven't. I recommend looking that up sometime, even library or whatever. It is a great, interesting book. It's post-apocalypse. The world is basically destroyed. Oh, and sweet. the whole book is written like without periods and commas and everything's in lowercase and it's almost like a big run-on oh, sentence okay. yeah it's very interesting but he uses it to help convey the stark feeling the depressive feeling of the book yeah, yeah. check that up 
Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And that's just one of the reasons I did it the way that I did it was like, hey, this will, who can say they read a, wrote a book, right? And then I was like, hey, tons of people write books all the time. What can I do differently that's going to really stand apart, maybe stand on its own? And so that's why I chose the writing style. But I definitely will use wrong sentences. It's fun. But if you think about how we text, really, this is where the idea came from. Whenever you're texting with people, like you're not caring about what your, your grammar looks like. You're not caring about the period here or a comma there. Now, I will use the right punctuation all the time, but I won't. I'll, I'll just run sentences on together. And so it almost read like how you and me are talking right now. We don't talk in complete sentences. We talk in warrant run on sentences all the time. And so as you read it, it'll almost feel like you could hear yourself like reading it out loud and it, it really flows well. And I think one of the things people have talked a lot about is writing to make sure it sounds good in an audiobook because a lot of people yeah. are doing audiobooks and some of the more structured ways we write, putting she said, he said, or something gets very monotonous in yep. audio. So something, if somebody's talking fast and telling a lot of information, a run on sentence makes sense in audio. It, you don't see all the punctuation in audio and the, it can convey that feeling of being or oh my gosh you wouldn't believe i just went into the house and then i went upstairs and there was somebody under the bed and they were just like exactly. commas and stuff in there when you're saying it <laughs> absolutely and so I, I do have an audiobook for the meth murder on amazon and i use this platform called acx and so they have a tie into itunes audible and amazon and so as part of that you can actually submit your script to anybody out there that's a narrator through this platform and so you can actually take auditions and that's absolutely what i did and as i said my book has some crazy elements to it and there's like funny little word plays and even like songs in there so i literally sent the most difficult parts of the book to the narrator and i was like hey i want a male i want him to have really good comedic timing i really want him to take ownership for it and I got like the first five and they were like so boring. They were like drawn out. I was like, all right, not you. And then this one guy like totally took ownership of it. And every part that I gave him, one part was like from the interview that I had with the, the guy from the news agency. And so he'd be like, hey, go up the stairs. Oh, no, wait. That, that's too fast come back down the stairs and so i literally will write it like that up oh, no wait stop pause and so there's all this different back and forth between me and the news journalist and so i sent it to him and i was like if this guy can do like these parts good like he's going to be great and sure enough he nailed it and so he's going to be the narrator for the second book oh nice and when does that is the audio book out for the for murder mayhem or murder yeah, i keep saying mayhem. it's okay it, it's funny I, I you're not the first one that's done that i think it just goes together because you know m and m so yeah, uh, but yeah. Yeah, Meth Murder on Amazon, it does have an audio book. We did win an award for that as well. And then we're in the rank for another book award at the end of the year. The new one, I don't know when it's going to come out, but I'm trying to get it to line up like almost identical to when the Kindle releases. Nice. Great. All right. Yeah. Jerry, it's been really great chatting with you about your book. It sounds fun. It sounds like you had a great time writing it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It was definitely a fun time. Like I said, I never thought I was going to be an author, but as I started doing it, I would give it to people. I was like, Hey, read this. If it sucks, tell me, don't make, let me make my, like, myself look like a fool. And no one really gave me any negative feedback. I was like, all right, I might be onto something. Then I like, I submitted to my first editorial review. I was like, all right, if it's going to suck, they'll tell me. And I got my first review. And I think they said I was like Robin Williams on speed. I was like, oh, that's a good name trap. Anyone compared to Robin Williams, I thought it was a good thing. But it was really good review. So I've gotten a couple of negative reviews, but they don't leave any comments. They're like two stars and they don't say anything. And I'm like, maybe right. they thought it was like similar to another book. But well, it, 
you know, with the way that whole system works, could have just been somebody scrolling through Amazon, saw meth. Oh, I don't agree with drugs. And they clicked yeah. on two and, you know, that they moved on. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do read the reviews. I, I actually like reading them. I'll actually take them. And if I'm like working on the description for the book, if someone said something super witty or was like, oh, that really captured like what I was after for the description, I'll add that in there. So I definitely read the reviews. I think part of it is, right, like you can't be too serious, but with yourself but you also got to have thick skin right not everybody's going to like what you write everybody's going to like how you write don't like the story right tons of reasons why people aren't going to like your book so if someone doesn't like it hey that's okay if you get a ton of good reviews you'll be like hey there's always going to be somebody that's going to be on the other side of the coin yep all right so before we go do you have any advice you would give to other new authors out there yeah, I would definitely tell them, write what you know. I think Mark Twain said that, write what you know. And I think that's important. I feel like I'm a funny guy, so I'm going to write funny stuff. But the, the reverse of that, right? If you're not funny, don't write funny things, right? Because readers is going to come across to the readers. It's going to sound weird, right? But if you're serious, serious things, great stories, but just stay true to yourself because that's what's going to make come across as the readers is really genuine. If you try to do something that you're not good at, they're definitely going to know. Agreed, right? All right, Jerry, I appreciate you taking some time chatting with me today. It's been really fun. I, I wish you luck on your book. Yeah, thank you very much. And thanks again for having me. It was a great time. Yeah, good. Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please support the author. Go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast so I can keep the hosting and all the software I use. And... Uh, keep it running for, to help more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love. See what they have. Check out their books. That's what the point of the podcast is for. So people can discover new authors, find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing. So please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use, so I've got an affiliate link. Again, it's a little bit, if everyone clicked on those, if they were going to get it anyway, it helps keep the podcast going. So let's all help each other out, discover more authors to read. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you.